Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving the tools to entrepreneurs and small business owners to help them make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we're really going to focus on entrepreneurs, on startup businesses, on things that, you know, we really need to think about, make sure we're planning for, you know, all these various things. And so to help me do that today, please join me in welcoming Dr. Robert Lucier to our program. Welcome. Thanks. I'm glad to be here with you today. Great. Well, you have, without a doubt, probably one of the most spectacular bios that I have received, and and you are your program three hundred and thirty something. Um, it, you are an educator, and you have a seven seventy, as in seven zero page, uh, CV. I didn't open it. I didn't print it. I just thought that was very impressive. But um, you, uh, it is something that you know you've written lots and lots of books and all these various things. But let me tell folks just a little bit more about you. Go so, right ahead. Great. So <laughs> Dr. Robert Lucier is a two-time intrapreneur and entrepreneur and author, professor, and highly sought-after keynote speaker. He has more than 444 publications, including Entrepreneurial New Venture Skills, and has developed the highly researched and published Lucier Success versus Failure Prediction Model. And I really could have gone on for the entire program reading your bio, so we'll just send people to your website if they really want more information. But welcome again to the program, Bob. How are you doing today? Great. It's a nice day here in Massachusetts. We've got some sunshine, so it's a nice day. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Well, you have made your career, the focus of your career, both in teaching and in your writing, things like that, working with and supporting entrepreneurs. Why did you decide to go in that direction? Well, I was originally interested in the area of management anyway, and okay. then when you get into a doctoral program, you got to do a dissertation, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, well, what you got to come up with a research question, and one of the things that was always seemed to be on my mind is you're driving around, you see businesses closing, and you, mm-hmm. I was thinking like, why do some businesses succeed and other businesses fail? I mean, right. why? What's the difference? Mm-hmm. So that's what I did my dissertation on, and I've been doing you know research in that area, and that's how I came up with the success versus failure prediction model, which has been you know published multiple times. It's cited a lot. It's been used in like seven different countries to see if the model actually does help you to predict success or failure. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately. If you know with research, it's great, you do your best, but it's no simple answers out there. It's, mm-hmm. it's reality is, there's just a lot of gray area. And when you're talking about entrepreneurship, you can talk to a lot of different experts and the actual practicing, and they're going to give you different answers. There's no simple answers. That's the mm-hmm. key thing to realize. And what works for one business may not work for another. So it's tough. Right. So as an educator, I'm going to ask you to define some terms for us. So what is an entrepreneur? You know, we throw that term around all the time, and I think uh, many people don't exactly know what it means. Well, there's no simple definition to that either, and it depends on when you look at If you're really looking at the research-type literature, they do try to make a clear distinction between entrepreneurial versus small business owner. You Mm -hmm. noticed you mentioned that in the beginning intro. Mm -hmm. But one of the key things they're saying, to be truly entrepreneur, they're talking about starting something new and different. So if you open another pizza shop, there's 50 million other pizza shops in the world. So they Mm -hmm. don't really consider you entrepreneurial. So to truly be entrepreneurial, you've got to come up with something new and different. Mm -hmm. And that's difficult. But if you look at the general public, they'll call an entrepreneur. And I tend to do it a lot myself. It's just anybody who actually owns and runs a business Mm -hmm. can be considered an entrepreneur. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the way I think the government, when you read about entrepreneurship in the media, whatever, they're just talking about anybody who actually started a business, runs, operates a business. Mm-hmm. And and people just don't realize just how difficult it is. It's just so difficult. I'd like to read just a little quote in the sense from um, one of the three guys that founded Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, you start a business, you build it up, you think everybody's going to care. Mm-hmm. But nobody cares, not even your friends. Right. And it's such a reality. You know, we come out with this great idea. We got the best pizza in the world, the best this, the best that. And then you find out, hey, where's the rest of the enthusiasm mm-hmm. of everybody else that's supposed to love my stuff? Everybody's going to run to my door and buy my stuff. It's not happening. Right. It's just so tough to do, to mm-hmm. start a business and run it. It really is. Well, and of course, one of the, the hard things for an entrepreneur, small business owner, you know, even somebody who's been in business many years is still having that passion. You know, they might have the best pizza pie in the world, you know, and, and, and it really is spectacular. You know, it's it's fabulous, but they have bills to pay. They have to worry about rent. The you know, their, their shipper didn't get them the flour in time. You know, like you said, their friends don't even care. All these various things. And so that's, I think, sometimes why it's so difficult is we lose that passion that we've got. Well, one of the key things is so important, as you said, is keeping the passion going. And one statement that I always love from Winston Churchill, he, the way he defined success, success is the ability to go from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. And it's just so true. I mean, if you're in business, if you're not out there selling your product, I don't see how you're ever going to succeed. And you're going to get a lot of rejection. Right. People are going to say, no, I don't want your product, whatever. You know, you want to get your product into a retail store setting, whatever. They're going to say, no, you're going to get lots of no's. Mm-hmm. And you just got to be willing to get back in there. And Because and, if you go into that sales call, and your attitude is, I'm not going to make a sale, you're going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. You've got to have that enthusiasm and think it's going to happen, even though you've just had 10, 20, 50 rejections. I just, I do also read, you know, um, uh, updated type of entrepreneur, like Inc. Magazine, mm-hmm. Entrepreneur Magazine. And just recently, one of the articles I noticed last night was something about, what do you do after your first 150 rejections or <laughs> something like that? <laughs> Right. Something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. you just—it's just so hard to keep going. But mm-hmm. it's—but a key thing I think is important. People say, "Well, what business should you start?" Is one that really relates to you, not okay. something that's totally out of your realm. So mm-hmm. you know, you've got some sort of a problem that you've seen. You want to solve that problem. You want to be involved with it. Then you've got a story. Mm-hmm. If somebody says, "Well, why'd you start this business?" I'm, I don't know. I just decided I wanted a business. You know, just that's not a story. Mm-hmm. And, they, you know, that's a big thing they're saying today is you got to tell your story about your business. So how do you have the passion about it? Where is it coming from? Mm-hmm. You don't find too many people that don't have that. But you do have exceptions. When you're looking at Amazon's, you know, founder, he basically just said, I'm tired of working. I just want to have a business. I mm-hmm. want to start a business. And he just researched a business, and he came up with Amazon.com, and basically just started with only books. So mm-hmm. you can go mm-hmm. that way too, but it's not too common that you just say, "I want to start a business. What should I do?" It's more right. coming from where do you see the problem that you can solve, mm-hmm. and that's a key. Well, and so many people they do they just kind of fall into things you know now sometimes it it is you know it was a hobby it was something they did for fun um you know all these various things but there are often times where i really do look at somebody and i think why on earth are you doing this (laughs) and and in many cases i think they did think it's going to make me money and you know as opposed to it's something that i'm interested in it was it, it, a good example, you know, back in the, the um, 90s when real estate was huge and so many people became realtors because it was the thing to do. You could make a lot of money being a realtor. And so many of those people were not good at it. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, and I think we see that happen where people jump in and they don't have 
the desire, the passion, even the knowledge about it. They just think, hey, I can make money here. Yeah, well, that's sad in the sense that what, they've done a lot of you know research. As you know, I'm an academic. I get mm-hmm. to keep up on the literature. But one of the things they clearly say is you look at most successful entrepreneurs. The reason they started a business was not for money. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the number one motive was to make money. Sure, it's important. You want to make money. But a key a lot of times is they want to be their own boss. They don't like right. having someone tell them mm-hmm. what to do. So that's more important to them. And obviously, you got to make the money to make it a work to make it work. But mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, if you just go into it as a paycheck, you're not going to be passionate, and you're not going to have that drive to really, in most cases, really succeed. Right. And and unfortunately, then when you hit some bumps in the road, you're like, oh well, okay, I'm, I'll go back and do something else. I'll go back to corporate America. I'll you know do whatever. Yeah, it's unfortunately, like you said, happened to a lot of the real estate people. They just, you know, no more business out there. Mm -hmm. So they had to go back to some other job. Right, right. So what would you say is the most important ingredient for success? Well, that's, again, there's no simple answer to that. Actually, my colleague that works with me with my published known parish business at Parish Do Not uh, parishdonotpublish.com, Cynthia Conway says, well, she said, basically, when she's works with a lot of businesses and saying that a key thing to her is dealing with those roadblocks that you're talking about and mm-hmm. getting business opportunities to solve problems. So that was kind of what she was coming up with. But I, I feel more, to me, is that a big problem is that a lot of entrepreneurs will start a business, they'll launch it, without any actual sales. Mm. And and to me, you they know... They do the, if you build it, they will come type of philosophy? Yeah, but the idea is, you know, they get... They start out by raising money first and then mm-hmm. thinking that their product is going to be a success. And then they find out after the fact, when they've already put in money and time to the business, that the market that they thought wasn't out there. Mm-hmm. So the first thing you really got to do is get out there and get some real customers. And an excellent example of that was the guy from Tom's Shoes. Mm-hmm. When he was developing the shoe and the concept of buy one, give one away free, but he didn't just think it was a great idea. He literally got a bunch of people that he knew together and showed mm-hmm. them the shoe. And he didn't say, would you buy one of these if I make them? Mm-hmm. It was clearly, will you buy a pair of shoes today? Right. And they said, yeah, and they actually mm-hmm. bought them. If people mm-hmm. just say, yeah, I would do that in the future, a lot of people will tell you, yeah, I'll buy your yeah, pizza. Yeah, because that's don't... easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but put your money where your mouth is mm-hmm. is a different story. And if you don't have people already committed in sales, even if you're given deep discounts or whatever to get somebody to commit, yeah, I'm actually going to mm-hmm. pay for this product or service. Because like you were saying, a difference between a hobby and a business is making money. If mm-hmm. you're not making money, it's not a business. You have a hobby. Right. And it could be a very expensive hobby. Right, right. You know, it was interesting when I was reading some of your materials, there was something that jumped out at me, and it was kind of one of those, not an aha moment, but almost a duh moment. And I mean, I have an MBA, you know, and, and so I like to think that I'm fairly skilled in the marketing world. And it, it really was something that now maybe I hadn't paid attention during my marketing classes, but you talk about the difference between a customer and a consumer. And it was because in the marketing world, we're always talking about who is your target customer? Who's your target market? All of those various things. And in so many cases, the, the customer is different than the consumer. And that's part of how you make your business successful is knowing that there's, there's two of those. So tell us, what is the difference between a customer and a consumer? Well, one of the key things, if you look at, you know, I basically have two businesses, the Publish Don't Perish, which is actually a you know, keynote speaking business. Mm-hmm. And the other mm-hmm. one is an author, because if, as an author, I'm not an employee. I'm 100% commission-based. So I'm an independent contractor. So when you're looking at textbooks, the consumer is the one who actually uses the book in the course. Mm -hmm. But who is the customer is really the professors. Mm -hmm. 
because the professor is the one who actually says, yeah, this is the book I'm going to use, mm -hmm. and this is what you have to buy in my course. Right. So if I were to spend my time focusing on students, I'm never going to get any sales because mm -hmm. it's the professor is the true customer. That's the one who's making the decision on the sale. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at kids with video games and whatever, yeah, you target the kids, but they are going to do what? Go to the mom and the pop, mm -hmm. and they're the ones that are actually going to buy the product. Right. And if you're looking at soda, for example, Coca-Cola, the kids may be drinking all the cola, but who's buying the cola? Mm -hmm. Mom or dad typically is the ones actually buying it. So there is a clear distinction. And if you go after you know, the consumer, it can be helpful to get them to get the actual customer. But again, mm -hmm. if mom says no soda, no matter how many kids want the soda, right. they're not going to buy it. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be able to get to the, to the customer mm -hmm. and know the difference, I think, is important. Right. Well, and... You know, we, we all toss about the terms B2B and B2C, so business to business or business right, to consumer. Right. And I think in a lot of cases, and, and this really was what got me thinking about this last night, we skip that middle part. You know, we're, we're making our product or our service for that consumer. You know, so we think we are a B2C business, but we're a B2B business. You know, we, like you said, you know, we have to convince mom to buy the soda, the professor to buy the textbook, you know, all these various things. And, and that where is where probably a lot of marketing goes wrong because, you know, we're not marketing to the right person, the right entity. Yeah, that's key. And as you know, if you're doing corporate sales, there's, you know, different layers of management. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get to the right person that makes the yes decision, you're wasting a lot of time and effort. Right. So mm -hmm. part of it is to doing the research to figure out who can actually say, yeah, I'm buying this thing versus, yeah, I want it. Mm -hmm. We should have this in our, you know, in our company. So that's, a, you know, that's really an excellent point. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's something that a lot of business owners really need to stop and think about is who is writing that check or at least, you know, making the decision that somebody's going to buy it. Because, you know, we, we, as I said, we skip those steps and then we do wonder, well, why the heck isn't, isn't somebody buying this? Well, it's because you didn't appeal to the right market. And, and of course, as an educator, as an academic, you, you know, you really talk about research and that is, you know, that's, I think probably one of the things that small businesses fail at is we just think we've got the greatest thing since, you know, sliced bread and everybody should want to buy it. And we don't do the research and the planning. And that's a lot of the information that you provide to people is how to, to really make sure you've got a good foundation for success before you, you enter the world. Yeah. Like you said, that's, one of the differences between success and failure, as you yourself mentioned earlier in the show, is planning properly. If you don't plan properly, you know, they say if you don't plan, you're planning to fail, I guess right. is the saying. So mm -hmm. you really, it's so critically important to have that plan. But again, one of the things that you're saying also some people miss is the idea of clearly understanding, as you said, your target market, but mm -hmm. also going along with that is your competitive advantage. Right. Because one of the things we have to do is get people to change. Mm -hmm. And I always love this quote from this guy that I heard. What he said is, nobody likes change except a baby in a wet diaper. <laughs> I like that. So mm -hmm. we've got to convince people to make a change, and mm -hmm. that's not easy. So how do you, you know, somebody's already going to McDonald's or whatever. How are you going to get them to go buy your burger? Mm -hmm. A key thing is what is your competitive advantage? If you right. can't clearly tell your potential customer why they should buy your burger versus McDonald's burger, then mm -hmm. why would they do it? Why should they change? you got to make it easy for them, right. and you got to make it so there's something in it for them. So mm -hmm. the focus isn't on on you. It's on what can I do for you? How can I make it better, faster, mm -hmm. cheaper for you versus anything else? And, I mean, if you look at it, that's why fast food has grown so much over the years. I mean, when I, when I was a kid, we didn't go out and eat like they do today. Well, why? Mm -hmm. Moms didn't work in the olden days, so they, right. could, they could cook. Today it's mm -hmm. much quicker, easier, faster mm -hmm. to just bring the kids to the fast food place right. or bring it home. So it's just grew so much because of the need that you're doing something mm -hmm. for the customer. And that's the key is you always got to put the focus on 
what am I doing for you? Never talk about what's in it for me. It's always mm-hmm. what's in it for the other person. And that's the only way you're going to convince them to change is having a clear, compelling story. Right. And again, that's one of the things that's big these days is everybody's talking about what's your story? What's your story? You know? So how can you convince them to make that change and buy mm-hmm. your product versus the competitors? Right. Well, and I think it's also very interesting that people need to remember that the burger place might not be your competitor, you know, even though you're doing burgers. Right. And, you know, the, the competitor might be that you've got, say, Whole Foods that is just around the corner. And, and you know, everybody is, you know, we're, we're on all of this eat healthy type of, of thing. Or, um, you know, maybe your competitor is you know, a, a movie theater, you know, something, you know, and, and, and sometimes we do, we think, well, it's only a direct competitor. Well, sometimes it's an indirect or, you know, competitor that is really the, the deciding factor. Yeah. One of the things that's really makes the difference is you're saying is sometimes you don't realize how much the indirect competitor helps. And I remember making a comments once to, I don't know, not all of the country has a place called Friendly's Ice Cream Place, which we mm-hmm. have out, in, out on the west. On the east coast, there's a mm-hmm. lot of all the way down to Florida. But the idea is I mentioned once to a guy that was a manager, and I said, well, you know, fast food like a McDonald's is not a direct competitor to you. He says, yeah, but if they go out to eat and they go to McDonald's, they're not here. Right. So, like you're saying, there's other competitors out there that could get the dollar, even though you're not looking at them as a direct competitor. Mm-hmm. They're still you're vying for the for the money against everybody out there, no matter how different their food is. If they're buying Chinese food, they're not buying your pizza right. or whatever else. So you're in a lot of different competitions mm-hmm. for that. Again, trying to get the change. Why would they buy a pizza versus a Chinese food or whatever mm-hmm. else it happens to be? Right. So one of the things that are, you know, not one of the things, but, you know, in your uh, presentations and, and your books, you talk about the seven keys of a, of a successful startup. Walk us through those seven. Yeah, well, again, there's there's no sequence of steps and right. whatever Right, it's not you do sense. one and you do two. It's and, gonna, uh, and, right. and sometimes you might not even do number five. <laughs> and if you look at it, again, if you asked – 20 different experts or just any entrepreneurs, they wouldn't agree on the step and say, that's not important. This is, and you don't have that on your list. So I'm not trying to tell you this is the, you know, end all catch all do this mm-hmm. and you're going to succeed for any stretch of the imagination. But one is I, you know, I did mention the idea of the competitive advantage in learning from com- your competitors, what's mm-hmm. their success. They can give you ideas on how to succeed. And, you know, we talk about being a first mover, being the first one to come out with something new and different. Mm-hmm. But today, you can don't have to be the first one out there. If you look at Google, Google search was not the first one. You, right. you know, you have to be old enough to realize that AOL was the dominant player by far mm-hmm. before they were even thought of. And then mm-hmm. they blew them out of the water. But they learned how to do a better job than the competition. So what is your competitive advantage? They were doing a better search, faster, quicker, and also the whole idea with Yahoo. Yahoo, mm-hmm. everybody was using Yahoo. What happened right. again? They had better, faster product. So you, mm-hmm. one of the key things that I think people have to, again, is your business model. And the business model, getting to the idea of who is your real customer like we were talking about and how are you going to get paid? Because if you don't get paid again, you don't have a business. Right. And some people, uh, you know, there is some success with some, like even we're using Skype now, and there's a free version, there's a p- one that you pay. But mm-hmm. if nobody goes to the pay version, you know, you don't have a business. Right. You've got to have a way to make money. Mm-hmm. And you look at some of these people being so creative and so good at getting paid, it's like Airbnb. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way they started it was basically, I forget what city they were, out in California somewhere, there was a big convention in town. There was no rooms anywhere, no mm-hmm. rooms. So what they did is they literally rented out space in their apartment, the three guys, right. rented mm-hmm. out space, and they put people on air mattresses and stuff mm-hmm. just to get to some somebody there. But they got paid. And when they set up their business model, they get paid. You know, mm-hmm. you don't just sign up for a room right. with Airbnb, you're mm-hmm. paying. They get mm-hmm. paid. So you got to figure out how do you get paid? Where along the line are you getting paid? Is it up front? Is it after the fact? Mm-hmm. But, if, you know, but if you're not getting paid, you're, you don't have a business. 
And again, as I mentioned, you know, you've got to be overcoming resistance to make that sale and you got to be out there selling. And some people you may know of are pain in the neck in the sense that every time you see them, they're selling, selling, selling. Right. But Mm -hmm. if you look at a lot of your successful people, you got to sell. If you're afraid to sell, you mm-hmm. better get somebody in your organization that's going to be selling because right. you just can't sit back and wait for people to come and find you. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work that way. Unless you're maybe on a busy street and people are walking by and they're going to come in and buy your sandwich or whatever. But, I mean, mm-hmm. that's not the usual business model. Right. So. And when I was doing my reading for uh, of your information for this program, you were talking in, in the stuff about the 30-second commercial. And you know, we all as business people have to do those. And and one of the things I was in a networking group one time where we had to give someone else's 30 second commercial. Uh And it was so interesting, because this ties back to what you were saying in that quite a few times, we couldn't say what that person sold. Because whatever they had always told us, you know, every time they stood up and said, Hi, I'm Deb Creer. It wasn't here is my product or my service. You know, and, 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 you know, we all want to, we've all been told, you know, don't hit people over the head with selling. We don't want to be snake oil salesmen, used car salesmen, all those various things. But if somebody else can't give your 30 second introduction, you've screwed up. Oh, there's no question about it. That's again, getting back to your competitive advantage in the sense that that should be in, in there, not just saying mm-hmm. I sell pizza, but I sell the best pizza, or, you know, even though right. it's cliches, or whatever, mm-hmm. but you know, mm-hmm. exotic pizza or whatever, you got to gluten free. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, you got to put mm-hmm. some spins on there. But that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's so totally true. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I obviously agree with that. So if you want to go on the next one, I would say another obvious factor, unless you're an independent business all on your own, which is not Mm -hmm. unusual today, which is fine, but if you're going to have any type of a team and, you know, partners, advisors, you know, retail customers, investors, whatever, you got to have a solid team and be able to Mm -hmm. work together. And one of the reasons why some businesses fail is partners' commitment. Mm-hmm. And they just one guy, one lady's really enthusiastic, working tough in the business. The other partner's doing nothing basically, mm-hmm. freeloading. What do you right. do about that? Whatever. So a key mm-hmm. is another idea of success is having a clear distinction of responsibilities and roles. Is who's going to mm-hmm. do what? One person may be full time in the business, and another one may be only part time or whatever. But you got to clear that up and say, "This is my commitment. These are my hours. Whatever. This is what I'm going to do for the business." And you should have some sort of walkaway plan, in the sense, because some businesses fail because one partner says, "I, I can't take this anymore. I'm out. Buy me out." Mm-hmm. How do you buy somebody out of a brand new business? So right. sometimes the business has to go under to pay off the guy or the woman who's leaving. Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful with exit strategies, too. I mean, you may even be your spouse that's in business with you. But if mm-hmm. you don't have some agreement there, and especially with a spouse, because you tend to have expectations and don't make them clear. Right. But you got to remember, a marriage is different than a business. You know, they mm-hmm. say it's similar to having a partner. But the idea mm-hmm. is, again, it's not. you got to have clear distinctions of what your role is. And this right. is what I do. This is what you do. And this mm-hmm. is the expectations, making them very clear. Mm-hmm. And hopefully and, go, nobody's going to walk away and close your business on you because they got to get paid. Obviously, right. you don't want that to happen. You want mm-hmm. some protection from that. Mm-hmm. Well, and they need to be written down, you know, so that you make sure that everybody knows them and understands them. Um, because, you know, it's, it's very easy for us to forget, for us to misinterpret, you know, all these various things. You know, it's you, we're told, you know, you need written job descriptions. Well, it carries over. You know, if you're having business partners, you know, you need written descriptions. Maybe maybe one person really is just the money person. Okay, then do they have the ability to say this is the space that you're going to rent? Or this is the product you're going to sell, you know, or are they just the true silent partner? You know, all of those various things. And so just write it down. I mean, you know, it just it makes life so much easier and you have fewer misunderstandings in the future. 
Right. Then when somebody said, I never said that. Look at the right. paper here. Look at the paper mm-hmm. here. You signed it. <laughs> you, you did say that. I'm sorry you forgot you said it, but it's there. Mm-hmm. But another one you just brought up is another important point that I had written under this idea of your team mm-hmm. is like you just said, who makes the decisions? Mm-hmm. And the key there, I think, to a large extent is, you know, your area of expertise. So mm-hmm. hopefully you're not all engineers and nobody's sales, nobody's accounting, et cetera. Right. So if it's mm-hmm. related to accounting, then obviously they should have the final say. If it's mm-hmm. marketing, then the marketing person would typically have the final say. You obviously want to have consensus if you can get it, but you can't always get consensus. So somebody has to have the bottom line. And that's mm-hmm. why some companies have tried co-CEOs and went mm-hmm. back because they just said, no, <laughs> somebody oh. has to be the final say. I worked for a very, very large company that we had co-CEOs. Yeah. And and basically it was they were trying to figure out who would win. Um, but it was horrible. It was like, you know, if you didn't get the if you didn't like the decision you got from one, you went to the other one. And I mean, it just yeah, it, it wasn't even good in theory, <laughs> let alone in practice. Right. And unfortunately, if you look at all of societies, not just America, that typically becomes a hierarchy structure of leadership. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to you know, be the decision maker. Right. Somebody has to end up making the say of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We're gonna, are we going to move our village? Are we going to go fishing? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. Right. So what are more keys to successful startups? All right. So we look at another is, you know, the idea of leadership related also to relationships. Mm-hmm. And today, you know, you need relationships with your workers. I mean, mm-hmm. the olden days of the ironclad boss dictates down right. is really gone. Today, people mm-hmm. expect relationships at work and they expect mm-hmm. a relationship with the boss. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to go out drinking together, whatever, but you mm-hmm. have to have a good working relationship. Mm-hmm. And also with good relationship with your clients, your customers, you got to be out there. I mean, even if you look at Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart, mm-hmm. when he was up to maybe 50 stores, he was still literally going out to every mm-hmm. single store every single year, talking to employees and talking mm-hmm. to customers. And you got to have a relationship. You got to know what's going on in that business. You can't sit around in your ivory towers. And they still, to today, nobody could go to every store every year, but they still have a requirement where the top people got to get out there. And it's mm-hmm. a, you've got to have relationships today is so key. Like you were talking, if you don't get that flower, maybe because you have a bad relationship with the supplier that you're last mm-hmm. on the list and you're not going to get it because you're the one yelling and screaming at them all the time. Right. So, so mm-hmm. well, Lucia, never mind. He's not getting any flower. We don't have uh, enough. He's on the bottom of the list. Yeah, so relationships, bad, so sad. Mm-hmm. relationships do matter. They do make a difference. Mm-hmm. So then advice. You know, you got to be careful. Because there's oftentimes people give you all kinds of advice, but oh yeah, but you got to remember, is it valid or not? As you know, mm-hmm. the old saying, just because you read it on the internet, has to be true, right? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so right. Just because some entrepreneur who's highly successful will tell you something, but one of the things we do find through research is they do ask entrepreneurs, why are you so successful? Mm -hmm. But the reality is a lot of times they don't even know themselves. They're Mm -hmm. just guessing or thinking sometimes. Mm -hmm. And like you were getting at earlier is it's so true that the timing and placing is so critical to success. I mean, just if you're not in the right place at the right time, sometimes you don't get opportunities. And that's part of it is looking for those opportunities. But just as a quick example of that, I have some good friends through Marriage Encounter, Pete and Corby Clark. And what happened was he actually went to, uh, went down to Maryland to play football. Mm-hmm. And then they asked him to stay on as a grad student and also coach football. And mm-hmm. then his coach actually decided to go out, I think it was Utah, and look at Jiffy Lube. And mm-hmm. he literally bought the Jiffy Lube franchise. So Peter Clark happened to be working for him as a coach, and he said, why don't you come into the business with me? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, you know, he could have said, no, I'm going to keep coaching, but the opportunity was there. It was the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. So he originally started out corporate, and what he was doing was running around the country teaching people how to start up and run a Jiffy Lube. 
And then the problem was he couldn't be home at night with his wife and kids all the time because he's always on the road. He's also thinking, I'm setting up these franchises. And they're making big bucks. They're making more than me. Right. So he just said, I'm getting out of the corporate and I'm going franchise. And he mm-hmm. did work with different partners, but they got up to the point of having close to 50 Jiffy Loops. Wow. But I mean, again, part of it is got to realize opportunities. If they're there, if you don't go, somebody else. There's an old mm-hmm. saying, if you don't take the opportunity, somebody else will. Somebody right. else would have been the one who could have had the, all those franchises except. Mm-hmm. So, right. You have an interesting stat in your, your current book that I looked at that 73% of entrepreneurs think luck is an important factor in their success. And that just stunned me. I mean, 73% think luck was is a factor in their success. You know, I like to think it's because I'm smart and, you know, all these various things. But you're right. It is luck. It's, um, you know, having the right product at the right time, making the right connection, you know, all those various things that you can't forecast. It just happens. Well, one of the things I think you find is, like you were just saying, part of it is, we like to think we're so smart and it's all because of us. But if mm-hmm. you're really successful and you really think about and look at it, then, like you said, you start to realize, yeah, well, this opportunity came about. It wasn't my genius. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, somebody else invented this product. I just capitalized on it or something. Mm-hmm. So the idea is maybe the word luck shouldn't you know, be the word used luck versus mm-hmm. you know whatever right timing right place i think is mm-hmm. you know that's part of it i think it ties right. in i really do well and you know and sometimes you just can't predict it you know one of the things that just still to this day baffles me is all of the millions of dollars that that somebody made selling pet rocks Really, they sold rocks. <laughs> you know, and, and when was, was that back in the 80s? Maybe even the 70s when people sold pet rocks. Right. They were rocks. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, it, it truly was one of those where we were gullible. I don't know why people bought rocks, but they bought pet rocks. And, and it was just, you know, or same thing sometimes with toys or games or, you know, whatever it is. You look back at it later and you think, what on earth were we thinking? <laughs> you know? But at at that point in time, it was perfect. But one of the keys with that, in the sense of the luck aspect to it, and not totally luck, but the idea is you have trend products like that. But the Mm -hmm. key is you've got to be at the beginning of the trend. Right. Because one of the things I always remember my mentor from Suffolk University, Joel Corman, said is when you start a business – the question isn't, will I get competition? The question is, if I become successful, what am I going to do to fend off the competition? Mm-hmm. Because once you make a buck, they're going to be coming after you to get right. that Somebody buck. Somebody else wants their buck. Mm-hmm. They want the buck from you. They do. They're going to come after you. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that tends to happen with those trend products is, you know, you, you may be the first one there. Like with the ab machine, those were another one. Everybody's buying these stupid mm-hmm, ab machines right. that did nothing. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying the idea is if you were the first one in there and you're making 50 bucks on a stupid little piece of metal, but then they come out with one for 40, then 30, and mm-hmm. you know, then the next thing they're after your bucks. So if you're not mm-hmm. in there early, if you're getting in late, you're not really going to succeed. Right. And it's tough to know what the trend is. It really going to take off? Another mm-hmm. one that you're talking about, trend one, was, I don't know if, out where you are, but around here in Massachusetts, New England, they had these visor things you put on your windshield so the sun doesn't come in and cook your car. I mean, oh, yeah. everybody had those. Like, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Now I don't see anybody with them. No. So just no. those trends just come and go. But if you were mm-hmm. on the beginning end of it, you could have made, you know, always a piece of cardboard. You could make some mm-hmm. decent bucks. But right. how do you know it's going to really work? Nobody, I don't think, has the answer to how do you know a trend is really going to take off and make mm-hmm. money versus just die out and waste your money. Right. 
you know, and as you said, you know, at the start, a big part of that is doing your research, you know, finding out, well, okay, people, the, the car visor, you know, people are really tired of getting in their cars and it's very hot. They can't touch the steering wheel, you know, all those various things. And so, hey, we're going to develop a product for that. And then you kind of go from there. But it's not, I'm going to have this and then hope that people will buy it. Right. The key is you got to make some and bring them out there and try to sell them. And if nobody's mm-hmm. going to buy them, you got to know. I don't think I better spend a lot of money making a thousand right. of these things. Mm-hmm. Prototypes do help. You know, that's for right. sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if you got that perfect pizza, try giving away some samples and see how much people really like them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And now they so really, what are some more keys? Uh, another one is advice, is, as I was, I was mentioning, I didn't finish mm-hmm. with that one, but the mm-hmm. idea of, you know, is the advice really any good? And one of the things that I actually read recently in one of the, I don't know if it was Inc. or, or whatever, but one of them was saying, want to be careful with your advice in the sense that who's given the advice in the sense, have they ever really done what they're talking about? Some people mm-hmm. talk a good game and give advice, but they don't follow it. And they've never done it. Right. So, you know, like I mentioned, I wanted, you know, I wanted to state it. I am a two-time entrepreneur and entrepreneur, so I've actually mm-hmm. done it. So, does the person ever actually do it? So, if someone mm-hmm. gives you advice on how to start a business, have they ever really done it? Right. It's not an easy thing to do. It's incredibly difficult to start mm-hmm. a business and make it a success and actually make money. So, have they ever mm-hmm. really done it? And if they did... Was it 30 years ago? <laughs> like mm-hmm, you said, when right. social media wasn't even available? Because mm-hmm. that's a key. As you're mentioning, that's, you know, it's the trend today. They're starting to have textbooks and whole courses in social media marketing. Mm-hmm. So we actually offer it at Springfield College, a course. Mm-hmm. It. So it's, it's coming, it's getting there. But like you said, academia doesn't lead, they follow. Right. There's no question about that. We're followers, mm-hmm. not leaders. Mm-hmm. Okay. So another one is, you know, getting good advisors as well. Professional mm-hmm. help oftentimes will save you money in the long run. Right. So like you were saying, if you have no documentation of something and a lawyer, you know, can legitimize that, you know, accountant, you may need to be, you know, if you're ever audited, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, depends on your expertise, obviously, on how good of accounting skills you have and whatever, you, how much help do you really need. Mm-hmm. But it can save you in the long run. Uh, then, as you already were mentioning, another one I think is very important is the business plan. Right. The business plan. And the two key parts of that, as you've already alluded to, was the marketing. And as I was mentioning before, how are you going to get paid? What is your business model? How do you get mm-hmm. paid? Are you really going to make any money? And how do you get out there and find those customers? Business plans, some people say you need them, some people you don't. But one of the key things with a business plan, if you're not going to try to raise money, you can get away without it. Mm-hmm. But typically, if you want to raise money, go to investors, etc., then you got to have a business plan. Right. But one of the things you also have to realize that a lot of people don't, as I mentioned, don't rush out there trying to raise money before you actually have sales. Because mm-hmm. you're going to find that investors don't invest in ideas. Mm-hmm. They invest in a business. And a business has to have some sales for them. If you ever watch Shark Tank, one of the questions they constantly ask is, how many of these have you sold? Mm-hmm. And if they say nothing, <laughs> who do you think that, oh, yeah, I want it. You know, they, right. they want yeah. to see that you actually, mm-hmm. and again, you know, they talk about the, um, feasibility studies. Do you have a mm-hmm. real product or not? And there's different ways and all these complicated things. But to me, I try to keep things simple. Have you got any real sales? Mm -hmm. That's a feasibility. If you don't, again, you don't have a business. So that's part of your business plan is how are you going to get that business? How Mm -hmm. are you going to use social media? You're going to use, you know, LinkedIn, whatever. What are you going to do? How are you going to do it? Mm -hmm. And the other one, obviously, is the finances. You got to have a financial plan, have some clue of how you're going to do that. And Mm -hmm. again, one of the things, I shouldn't say again, but what tends to happen is a lot of people figure out, oh, I'm going to, this is how much it's going to cost me to start and run my business. 
and they're always wrong. Right. <laughs> always mm-hmm. wrong and very much underestimating what it's going to cost. And they say, I didn't mm-hmm. realize I going to have this expense. I didn't realize I going to have that expense. And if you don't do a decent financial plan, you are going to end up potentially too many expenses and no revenues and eventually right. you're going to be out of business. So you got to mm-hmm. make sure you got the financial, you know, your financial plan, especially if you're going to raise money. Mm-hmm. And there's tools out there, as you probably know, if you go to the Small Business Administration website, they do have a variety of things you can use um, to do business plans. They have example ones, et cetera. So mm-hmm. it really, you know, you may not stay with the plan, but at least you got something to start with and to give right. you a direction. And the next one, my last one that goes along with this number seven, is the idea of being willing to change and go for the different opportunities because you mm-hmm. sometimes start a business and it doesn't go the way you thought and the customers and who you thought. As a quick example of that, as I mentioned, I'm a two-time entrepreneur at Springfield College. And the first mm-hmm. one I started was a consulting business, primarily for training and development. So the way I first started, I thought it was a market, is I started to say, okay, I'll go to these multiple companies and get each to send me a couple of people to the college, and I'll run Mm -hmm. some training sessions. Right. Sounds good. Yeah, but then what I found out is... No, no, hardly anybody was wanted to come and send their people. But some of them were saying, why don't you come to my company and do the training session just ah. in my company? So I said, oh, I didn't really think about that when I originally right. started. But mm-hmm. that's the idea. And Peter Drucker, one of the best known consultants and business gurus, used to say, oh, that's very common in business. You start out thinking your target market may be this. But mm-hmm. you've got to be open to say, well, this isn't working like I thought it was. Maybe this is the customer or let's go in this direction, et cetera. So mm-hmm. you've got to be open to looking for those opportunities. And that's the biggest thing they talk about entrepreneurship is, you know, is opportunity recognition. And then you've got to capitalize on the opportunities. So you always have to be looking for where, where, you know, where can I go with this business and and. To grow a business, we're talking about really starting, but the only way you're going to grow a business is, again, looking for new opportunities for expansion. Mm-hmm. And that's so key. Right. And sometimes they won't be successful. Um, you know, I think one of the, the biggest things, you know, is, is like the, the phone that Facebook developed. You know, they were going to have their own smartphone. And that was, you know, a lot of people don't even know it existed because <laughs> it was a spectacular failure. And, you know, that really and, you know, they certainly had the money to put behind it, all sorts of things. Of course, it was going to have Facebook built in, you know, all those various things. But there were products out there that existed that people already wanted. And, you know, so they weren't filling a hole. They weren't filling a need, you know, and 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 the Facebook brand wasn't enough to sell the phone. You know, and I think that was maybe where they they stumbled was they thought, well, we're Facebook, so people will buy it because we're Facebook. And people went, "Uh uh-uh, I'm an iPhone person or, you know, Droid or whatever it was. And, you know, and and so they went, oh, okay, this didn't work. And they went merrily along and, and, you know, went to their next business venture. Oh, yeah. Well, that's part of the reality, just like I have 12 different books, but they don't Mm -hmm. all sell as well as others. And part of it is you get some products that are better hits than others. Hopefully, you Mm -hmm. don't lose any money. I don't lose any money on any of my books, but Mm -hmm. I certainly make a lot more on some, a lot more sales on some than others. So that's that's the key. But also, Mm -hmm. Apple has got a list of failures as well. I mean, definitely. How's your Apple top TV thing going? (laughs) They've been Mm -hmm. working on that for how many years? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's still a flop. I mean, they've right. done some different ones that have been flops as well. So mm-hmm. you can't expect everything to take off. But if you don't, if your first one doesn't take off, then you're not going anywhere. So you got to right. start at right. least with a one style. Yeah, one to start you need with. you need a little foundation there. Right. You can't you know you can't come out with failures if you don't have any mm-hmm. success first. You right. know. So that's well, and one. I think one of the important things that sometimes people need to remember is when to stop. You know, that, you know, that, that Apple desk or TV top thing, it, maybe it's just not going to work and they need to stop pushing money towards it. You know, and, and sometimes it's because you, know, you, you have a passion for it. I mean, we were talking about that at the very start of the program, but just because you have the passion for it doesn't mean it's going to sell. 
Oh, that's you know that's so true. It really is. And one of the things we call that the escalation of commitment. Mm-hmm. And people have a tendency not to want to say this business isn't going anywhere. I better close right. down. And the mm-hmm. escalation of commitment is throwing good money after bad. Is the expression mm-hmm. is they just right. and part of it is ego. I mean, how mm-hmm. many of us want oh, yeah. to say that this isn't working? I made a mm-hmm. bad choice or decision right. along the line mm-hmm. somewhere. I should bail out. Not many people want to do that. They tend to stick it out. Sometimes it's you know they take it personal. But the reality is not you know this high level of failure in businesses. It's not easy. It's mm-hmm. tough to have a successful business. You know, we look at the failure rates. They don't count in the, you know, you can go to, you know, small business administration, whatever. They'll give you some statistics and, you know, Dun mm-hmm. and Bradstreet on the number of failures. But the, they don't count the per, the people that start a business and they could make more in corporate, like you said. So they mm-hmm. eventually close, you know, they're working 60, 70 hours a week in their subway right. shop, working 60, 70 hours, they're making 50 bucks, you know, 50,000 a year. So I could go in mm-hmm. corporate work half the number of hours and make the same much of money anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. So why am I wasting my time here? You know, mm-hmm. it's just like you said, it's tough t- to make that decision of when do I bail out. But mm-hmm. again, you don't want to keep throwing Good money after bad, right. for sure. you got to come to the point of, okay, enough is enough. Right. Well, speaking of failures, what are the, you know, how can we avoid what you ha- what you list as the three main failure factors? Okay. So one of them, again, is the lack of a competitive advantage in actual sales, your marketing plans. Again, if you, some of these are repetitive, but if you don't have a competitive advantage, you don't have sales, you don't have a mm-hmm. business. The another one is the lack of financials. If you don't have proper financial planning, again, mm-hmm. it takes money to make a business run, and a lot of businesses just run out of money. Mm-hmm. And it's just reality: poor planning in the sense of the you know the revenues. And again, if you don't have any sales, what makes you think you're going to have them later? You know, right. get some foundation first. In the team relationships, again, if your partners walk away, investors walk away, whatever. So the financial piece and the team, you know, relationship side of it is the key factor. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of three if you have to, again, people don't always agree. But as I did mention, because I think we don't have a lot of time left, is the idea of my prediction model for success right. versus failure. Let me just yeah, quickly talk to us about that. Just mm-hmm. quickly, some of the ones, the variables that seem to distinguish success versus failure is, again, capitalization. If you start with mm-hmm. too little capital, you're not going to succeed. You have to have enough right. capital. The idea of using professional advisors does mm-hmm. tend to make a difference in the successful versus failed businesses. Record-keeping and financial control. Some people just get their expenses out of hand and they just, next thing you know, they're running out of money. Mm-hmm. Staffing is so key. You know, if you don't, especially in a small business, you can't afford to have Deadwood in there that's not producing. And some people are obviously no hurting your business. So you got to be careful mm-hmm. on the staffing. Mm-hmm. If you're going to start a business, one thing that does help is industry experience. I mean, how do you start a business if you have no clue? Right. how to run it. And a good mm-hmm. example of that, going back to, I mentioned the Pete and Corby clock example, they had almost 50 Jiffy Loops, and then they actually mm-hmm. went into a golf course as a mm-hmm. part owner of a golf course. But Pete was mm-hmm. smart enough not to say, just because I ran a Jiffy Loop, I can run a golf course. So they brought right. in professional help to manage mm-hmm. the place because he said, I don't have this expertise. So you got to be careful to know what you're doing mm-hmm. or get somebody who can. It's critical. You can't run a, a business in an industry. If you don't know how to cook, you better get a good cook right? so that you can get it going. And again, those marketing skills. Without marketing, you don't have a business. Mm-hmm. And one last one that is a predictor often is the business plan again, because if you don't have a good plan, you're generally not going to succeed. But again, there's mm-hmm. always exceptions to the rule. These are just a general guide of some of the 15 variables that have been pretty much predictors of the difference mm-hmm. between the two. Because the research that I've done, I've actually surveyed successful companies and surveyed failed companies and compare mm-hmm. the research, you know, the, the resources that they had in these different areas. And these are the key ones that tend to show the difference in the success versus failure. Mm-hmm. But again, there's always exceptions to the rule. Right, That's right. part of the problem with, you know, business and it's not easy to say. 
So I'm supposed to be doing some self-promotion here. Uh, again, I do, right, I do right. keynote speaking. Yes. One of my topics is entrepreneurship. So mm-hmm. you can find out more information on publishdonotperish.com. That's mm-hmm. my website. And if you send me an email, and actually you can send me an email at my college address, which is rlucier, L-U-S-S-I-E-R, at springfield.com. Edu, I'd be happy to put you on my blog list. So I do have a bunch of other things related to entrepreneurship and publishing mm-hmm. already up there on my blog. So if you want to visit my website again at publishdonotperish.com, mm-hmm. you can find out that. You can see my 70-page CV. You don't have to obviously <laughs> copy it like you said or read it, but it's there. <laughs> and right. some of the other things that I do and whatnot. So mm-hmm. some of my you know keynote speaking topics are listed there, et cetera. So you may want to visit my website. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and and I, we didn't even really talk about the the whole publish don't perish type of thing. Um, and you know, and, and we hear about that in in academics all the time. But it the principles there also apply to the person who wants to write the business book or their memoirs or, you know, whatever it is. And so you've got some great resources for them. Yeah, as I said, I actually have a whole book called Publish, Don't Perish, but it is, again, Mm -hmm. geared for the academic publishing, you know, Mm -hmm. really not so much because, as you mentioned, to do business books, if you go on Amazon and put leadership or any topic, you're going to get like 50,000 hits. Oh, I mean, there's uh-huh. just so much competition out there. Like mm-hmm. you said, unless you somehow got a big name, somehow you're mm-hmm. not going to be very successful in, in publishing. It's really tough. The thing I like about my side is because I'm an academic publisher, I don't make any money on my journal articles and conference papers mm-hmm. that I do, but my textbooks pay well. And again, right. that's because I'm getting sales through not the students. I mean, they're mm-hmm. the ones that buy the book, but the professors are assigning this is the book we're using in the course. Mm-hmm. So right. That's well, and you know, we we tell a lot of business people if they want to be a speaker, you know, a public speaker, one of the best things is to have a book, you know, and and maybe it you know sells a hundred copies, you know, who knows, but. That's that is kind of one of those entrees into being a speaker. You can say, well, have you read my book? And, you know, and 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 so that is, you know, it's it's something that I think more and more people are doing, you know, and and we um, before the program, we were laughing about, you know, the how easy it is to self-publish and that in so many cases, I just want to call these people and say, honey, you need an editor. Um, But if you are a good writer and hire an editor and, and all those various things, having a good book, you know, you might not be selling 10,000 copies of it, but it's just kind of part of what you can offer. Yeah, actually related to that, let me give you a little, um, I don't know if you want to call it a tip or whatever, but one thing I've mm-hmm. heard is what some people are doing is because it's a self-publication scenario, you know, if you try to get some publisher that does it not just yourself you know because mm-hmm. there are you know like vanity press will do your right. book they expect mm-hmm. something and you got to pay something whatever but what i've actually mm-hmm. heard is what some people do is they'll go to like a vanity type press thing and then they'll say okay i'll buy 500 books for myself <laughs> it's right. like got 500 books in sales so if anybody says mm-hmm. if you sold any books yeah i sold 500 copies sure. <laughs> yeah. right and there's there's the real tricky thing with Amazon where they do their best selling every hour. So you tell all your friends, hey, at midnight, go buy copies of my book. And, you know, and, and so because there's nobody else up buying books at that point in time, you might actually hit their best selling. You know, now, you don't have to say it was just for that hour and it was just at midnight. You're an Amazon best selling author. Right. There's, there is things you can do. Like I said, I'm not an expert in self-publishing by any means. Like I said, I I, I really do like having the, the publishers do all that for me. I like just sending in the Word doc and let them mm-hmm. do the rest, you know. Yep. And also I do, you know, graphs and charts and, and exhibits, but they'll professionally do those. They make them pretty. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah they okay. do them for you so that you got professional stuff. Right. So. Well, this really has been fascinating. And for people who want to follow up and connect with you, tell us one more time where they find you online. Right. So, again, my website is publishdonotperish.com. And if you want to email me to get on my blog list is 
R. Lucier, L-U-S-S-I-E-R, at Springfield, the city Springfield, dot E-D-U. So that's my email address and my website. So you can contact me through the website as well. Publish, do not perish. And that's also the, the idea is I set up my business focusing on my strength. A lot of people mm-hmm. will build their consulting business and use their name. But mm-hmm. I was advised through, you know, consulting help right. is saying, go mm-hmm. buy what your expertise is. So when they look up, they're not going to look up Lucia for keynote speakers, but they may look right. up Publish Don't Perish if they're looking for mm-hmm. that area. So, Perfect. again, the idea is advice can help you make a successful business. One of yep. those those differences we mentioned. Definitely. Well, you've got a lot of great resources, and so I do encourage people to go to publishdonotperish.com. I am Deb Creer. I've been having a fabulous time talking with Dr. Robert Lucier today. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.